right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the No Laying Up Golf Podcast. It's great to have you. My name is Randy. I want to introduce my two other uh, compatriots on today's show. I never know what, what word to say there. We'll go with compatriots today. The first being my guy, Cody McBride. Cody, um, we're going to talk a lot of ANWA. You're going to ANWA. I know you're pumped. How are you doing today? We are great, Mr. Big. I'm excited for this week, but looking forward to it for a long, long time. And as always, it's just a pleasure to talk some women's golf with you, buddy. Wonderful. Our other guest, first time joining the podcast, and I am so excited. Woo-wee! She is in Augusta. She is our expert on the ground. It is Jordan Perez. She is on assignment for AmateurGolf.com. She has written a few preview pieces already. She is on Twitter. at Jordan, It's at Jordan Perez, but it's removing all the vowels from those words. So it's at J-R-D-N-P-R-Z. Jordan, so happy to have you on. Thank you for joining. How are you today? You got through the pronunciation of my Twitter handle brilliantly. So hats off to that. Thank you. Um, I'm great. I'm so excited. This is my favorite week of the year. So I am so stoked to talk to Anwa. Now, how how many years have you been to Anwa? This will be my second year. Um, and also, are we saying Anwa or Anwa? Because I have been really stressing myself out with that one. I like I say and or I say no, I say Anwa, but I've heard Anwa. So Anwa Anwa, like, what is the official pronunciation? That's a great, great question. I think that's it. That's something that you need to add to your beat this week. Are, are we saying a, a an uh what 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 I don't know. I always go with Anwa. I don't know why. I think that's maybe just the hard A that comes out in there. But I mean, they can't really be that upset about it, right? We're just all going to enjoy the, this wonderful championship that we're so blessed to be able to see. I think we have consensus for Anwa. That's how I think of it. That's how I say it. I, I I would like to keep saying it that way. I would too. I, though I make myself a little self-conscious because I'm like, Anwa sounds a little classier. Like maybe maybe there's room for me to convert, but we'll stick to Anwa. Okay. Well, like Cody said, I would actually like for you to get to the bottom of that this week and report back. I will. I'll tally the numbers. I'll see where everyone's at with it. <laughs> maybe do an informal player poll, you know, see what the consensus <laughs> is among the participants. Yeah, we're like, what, four years into this championship and we don't have an official pronunciation? Well, well acronyms are hard. You never, you never know what you're supposed to do. Fair. All right, well, for the purposes of this show, it's going to be Anwa. We have a robust agenda today. We are going to, well, first of all, we're going to recap some of the LPGA action. Specifically, they, uh, they had the drive-on championship last week out in Arizona. They are in Palos Verdes this weekend. So we're going to touch on that, and then we're going to dive into a full ANWA preview. Uh, Jordan, we're going to use a couple of your written pieces to guide our discussion. We're going to talk about top storylines. We're going to talk about some favorites, some dark horses. And then at the end of the episode, Cody and I have a wonderful interview with Rose Zhang. 
who is competing in her fourth ANWA this year. She is the number one ranked amateur in the world on the women's side, so you won't want to miss that. Before we dive into all that, I want to thank one of our sponsors off the top, and that is our good friends at Titleist and FootJoy. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Titleist. And one thing we have learned, Cody, I know you're with me on this with our new partnership with Titleist is the importance of getting fit. And I'm not necessarily talking about the gym. I'm talking about the club fitting process. The fitting process is critical to playing your best golf. Every golfer can benefit from a proper golf ball and club fitting. And that order is important. On tour, Titleist starts with irons dialing in the proper model choice, shaft, specs, all that good stuff. This results in the right distance gaps that you can trust all the way through to the right loft, bounce, and grind with Vokey Design wedges. After you get all that dialed in, the next step is fitting your golf ball from the green back to the tee. Scoring shots are the focus. Once your irons are dialed in, they can help determine which golf ball produces the right flight, the right spin, and the feel that you desire for every shot. And then finally, once you're finished with all of that, it's time for the medals. The driver, with various models and sure-fit hosel settings, can be finely tuned to maximize distance and dispersion. Believe us when we say properly fit equipment suited to your game will make the game much more enjoyable. I think it will do nothing but make you a better golfer. It will increase your enjoyment of the game. It will help you make more birdies. All of that fun stuff. So if you're interested in the fitting process, check out Titleist.com. Click on their fitting section to find a fitter near you. We thank them very much for sponsoring this episode. All right, and now let's get into it. Codeman, your old neck of the woods, Superstition Mountain Golf Club. What did we think of the action last week? I was absolutely like drawn into it the entire time we of course were people who were listening to this podcast probably were listening to our live show that we did on sunday night uh the the dell match play wrapped up and the lpga drive on was they were still like on the ninth hole when we fired up the live show the live show continued all the way through until they were putting out on the 18th hole i could not believe what ended up happening i i was shocked uh, and so impressed with Georgia Hall's final round, shooting that 65. Get herself into the clubhouse first at 20 under. Celine Boutier, I like nerves of steel, draining an eight-footer on 18 to put herself at 20 under to join her in a playoff. I thought it was a phenomenal finish, uh, a great event, and, and was very, very pleased to see an event go to a playoff to kick off the, the, you know, the U.S. schedule for the LPGA. It was perfect. Yeah, we're finally underway. The 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 season is going to really begin in earnest now, which is fantastic news. Jordan, did you get to watch any of the uh, the drive-on last weekend? I did not, but on the periphery, it seemed pretty, pretty cool. Um, you know, just top-flight players doing their thing. And, yeah, I shamefully was watching hockey instead. So a hockey game planned three months ahead. Um, so that was that my weekend spent. But... Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's our next block big. We just we just fire up a hockey pod too. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think there are any hockey pods yet. I, I think we'd have a good entry there. Uh, <laughs> you had so many people playing so well this weekend, though. I was so so impressed. Lilia Vu, like continuing to just be a world beater. I'm so excited for her to watch her this week as she goes back to her hometown 
SoCal roots, see how she does at the LA Open. Uh, our own young hitter, fucking balling out. It was great to, great to see. And then, of course, you know, being a Solheim Cup year, our captain, Stacey Lewis, shocked to see her up there with the T7 finish, but it was it was great. Yeah, I don't think, I, I remember asking Stacy. I think it was last year, if she would consider being a player captain, and I think she all but ruled that out. So no, no real hope that she could play her way into the mix on her own Solheim Cup team, but still a, a T7 for her last weekend was exceptional. As you mentioned, Cody, so many people playing good golf. Uh, Celine and Georgia got into that playoff at 20 under par. Were, were you, have you played Superstition Mountain? Were, were you a bit surprised by the scores? It looked like it was just in pristine shape, and usually when that's the case, you know, <laughs> the best in the world are, are going to tear it up. Yeah, I played it quite a few times, actually, and I, I like seeing low 60s and, and really like 65 in a final round of an event is, is crazy to see. I did not see that out there, but, you know, it was set up tough. I would say that it was very, it was receptive. But what do you expect when you have like the best players in the game firing at pins and the greens are holding them? Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned Georgia Hall. She shot a back nine 30, a six under 30 to get into the clubhouse at 20 under for for the tournament, uh, included in a nice eagle on 13. And then she birdied the par five 18th to finish. And then it was just a waiting game. Um, Celine, honestly, I thought Celine might might win it in regulation. She birdied the par 5 13th to get to 19 under. So you're thinking, you know, she's got the birdie hole there on 18. If she could find one more coming in, she could win it in regulation. As it was, though, she, she had a nice up and down just off the green on 18. Played her uh, third shot, a little pitch shot to what I think was about six, seven feet and then just jarred the putt to send it into a playoff. And then it was a quick playoff. They, they replayed 18. Celine kind of played the exact same hole that she did in regulation. She hit it up uh, just right of the green, played what looked like the same exact pitch shot to about four feet this time. And uh, Georgia played her second into a greenside bunker, was not able to get it up and down. So Celine won with a, a birdie on that first playoff hole. She's an interesting, I think she's a really interesting player. She played her college golf at Duke, um, has been on tour now for several years. Is somebody that just always plays really good golf. And it was, it, it was hard to kind of imagine or, or think about. This was only her third LPGA win. She's won three times on the ladies' European tour. And I think being a Solheim Cup year, awesome to get this victory early in the season. I think all but assures her and assures us that we'll see her in Spain later this fall for Team Europe. So good on her. Um, I was trying to think, Cody and, and Jordan, She her golf, and certainly not her personality, but her golf really reminds me of Danielle Kang, I think. Uh, a, a European version of Danielle, if you will. I can see that. I can get down with that. Um, you know, she, she had a really good college career at Duke. Uh, she obviously played very, very well. I think she's already been on two Solheim Cup teams. She's obviously a world traveler. She gets it. The coolest thing about where she's at right now is that male or female does not matter. She is the highest ranking French golfer of all time. And I think that's a really, really cool accomplishment 
for an established country who's had the highs and lows of a lot of great worldwide players. Um, but you're right. I think that Danielle Kane comp is good. She, she, you know, I wouldn't say that she has the most power in the world, but she is so steady. Like she just gets it done. And when she's on and she's flushing her irons, she has a phenomenal short game. And it seems like she makes every putt she looks at. Yeah. From the telecast, I thought, I forget if it was Paige McKenzie or it may have been somebody else. I, I apologize, but somebody made the point that her putt, she's trying to be a lot less analytical with her putter this year. And I don't know why, but I just, I, I love that, right? I, I think players can get so down the rabbit hole of, of mechanics, especially with the putter, that it's almost like they, they just start overthinking and overanalyzing. And there's, there's a large part of me that, that likes the idea of just, you know, trusting your instinct, being, you know, as the cliche goes, being an athlete with the putter in your hand and um, certainly worked out for her this week. It was, it, it was an impressive performance. Yeah, you know, she spends a lot of time in Dallas. She sees Cam and Corey up at the at the Altus Institute. She's part of the Altus family. So that's Cam's number one thing that he's preaching to every single one of the players that he has is just be an athlete. We're going to put the time in. We're going to train. But you got to be able to react. And how, how are you able to react based off whatever situation you're in, you know, is completely up to you but you put the work in and the results will come you just have to trust and believe in yourself and it's really cool uh to see her get a win like this early in the year because man uh she's a really good social follow so if, if you're looking for like really good food and like really good hang check her out uh but yeah okay i just couldn't be happier for her man and and it shocks me all the time too i always forget how thick like how strong her accent actually is yeah yeah, I know. And I have to say, one of TC's favorites. TC yep. has been a Celine Boutier fan for essentially since she's broken on tour. So I know I know he is jazzed up by this win. Uh, turning to the runner-up, Georgia Hall, you know, there's some similarities there. Cody, as, as you were going through Celine's resume, um, amazingly, Georgia, you know, she kind of burst onto the scene winning the Women's British Open in 2018. Got her second LPGA victory in 2020 and has been stuck on two. So she was also going for her third LPGA Tour victory. Did not get it last weekend, but I think she's just somebody that, man, I mean, she's steady too. She's always around, and I feel like when the golf gets harder is when she really starts to to shine. She's a Solheim Cup stalwart. She's been on three prior teams i'm sure she'll make this year's team for her fourth solheim cup um i don't know i i i, I hope we get a big georgia hall season I, I we need one of these british women to 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 break out and really have a year where they can string together multiple victories i, I think that'd be great for the tour who would you rather have it be georgia charlie um i'm i i'm a massive charlie fan i i just her whole get down you know she's, she's her instagram is is quite a trip uh she just seems like she doesn't really give a fuck about much yeah um living her life yeah this is it she's living her best life so i guess i would lean towards charlie but hey listen if georgia wants to have a breakout here i'm all for that too 
You know, I, I agree. I think, well, between the two of them, and I'll, I'll throw Jody in there as well, but really I think between Jody and Charlie, it could be a really, really big year. And talking about, like, living your best life and not really, like, giving a fuck, it, you know, to the... I understand that Grant is a Grant Boone is a, a friend of the program. It is okay to say Georgia's girlfriend Ryan O'Toole. It, we don't have to be like, oh, and and yes, following the action in the playoff is Georgia's close friend Ryan O'Toole. Like you, you can say it. we're in the year twenty twenty three. It's okay to say because we should embrace it. Yeah, that was one of the more high profile. Um you know, relationships that, that have begun in the last, when, when did they get together last summer? Was it, I'm trying to, I, I, I remember looking on both their Instagram and they seem so happy. I mean, it's yeah. awesome. Good for them. Uh, I, cause I think that's part of the thing with Georgia is that for her and Charlie still based in the UK, like when they go on this long stretch in America and they're like just constantly on the road, they don't they don't really have a time to ever go home and reset. Like so they'll be on the road for six, seven, eight weeks at a time. They're away from family, obviously. I think this could like honestly free Georgia up. Now she has like a US base. She she has Ryan with her every week. They're both seem to be playing very, very good. They're both have similar interests and hobbies, and, and I think it's great for them. Worried about uh, you know, I wouldn't say really worried, but I think for Charlie, it's one of those things where I hope she doesn't like add too many weeks onto the schedule because she does play a ton. Um, because everybody needs to reset every once in a while. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, Ryan O'Toole ranked 58th in the world. I was curious where she ranked. So, uh, quite quite literally a power couple here in, in the women's game. Two players in the top 60 in the world. That's that's very cool. Um. Well, Cody, you mentioned you mentioned some of the the good performances. Not that, not that we uh, we have to steal TC's thunder and and go down the whole leaderboard. But what were some Dude. other performances that stuck out to you this week? Jin Young Ko just doing Jin Young Ko things, like not not no pomp and circumstances, whatever. I'm just gonna go out, shoot 70, 65, 68, 68, like and. It comes in, you know, finally finishes at T5 and like it's like nobody really talked about her at all. It's just out her doing her business and, and making a nice little $70,000 and on to L.A. Uh, really, really cool to see. Mentioned Lilia Vu continues her good play. Um, and then honestly, just so, so tickled to see both Chikana Garden sisters up there uh, competing um and like honestly i think it, i think we might be back man Ooh. aria will never not fascinate me uh we we can let's let's get into that i just want to quickly jin young ko she she bogeyed her first hole of the tournament on thursday uh she added another bogey on her front nine thursday and then did not make another bogey until the back nine on sunday where she bogeyed the 13th she has to be kicking herself for that but like you said just a, a total ho-hum tied for fifth you know probably had her b minus game this week uh but it's just always going to be there with her her steadiness um yeah, Arya, what a weird week it was. Started with a 75 on Thursday and then hung a 64 on Friday, a 63 on Saturday. Was thinking, God, she could this could be her tournament. 
and then shoots an even par 72 on on Sunday where really everybody was you know if you weren't shooting 68 69 you were you were giving ground back so I, how would you assess her week I mean overall is it more more positives than negatives is is it a wasted opportunity you think what uh, what are we thinking about Aria no I think way more positives than negatives <laughs> I mean she had yeah she you know her final round she had two bogeys and, and one double she doubled uh par 5 13th was just bad 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 position you know putting herself in the worst possible spots I, I'm overall very very happy with the final round 72 obviously the opening 75 wasn't great but I think she showed a lot from that 74 73 stretch she's a birdie making machine and like when she gets hot she's just unstoppable it seems yeah yeah and I say she's fascinating because I'm not like she she hasn't really hit driver in several years yeah uh, if, if you ever go watch her play or yeah she's just doesn't hit driver it's a lot of three woods um i think yeah hopefully she's on the upswing would be remiss not to mention her sister moria who finished tied for seventh had a fantastic week herself their fellow thai Countrywoman, uh Thai Atitikum finished tied for 16th she had you know a decent week i think uh, you mentioned our young hitter, Lauren. We had talked to her about she she had played the Epson Tour two weekends ago to get ready for this start, her first start of the year. And um, she shot 67-67 on the weekend. I think she will be thrilled with that and picks up a T23 in her first start of the season. So that's a really good result for her. No, I love that. The only other real shout-outs, I think, Annie Park. Huge fan of Annie Park. A huge, huge fan. Any huge fan of Annie Park's caddy. I think their whole aesthetic that they got going on. Team Team Jordan, they don't care. She always seems to be like the swaggiest person out there. Really good playing coming in T16. And then the other name that kind of shocked me that made me very, very happy because I know they had a down year last year. Finishing T23, Yuka Sasso. Former U.S. Open champion. All the game in the world. I know. I'm right there with you. If the, she's the exact type of person where it's like, <laughs> I know we keep talking about ifs, but if she's on her game, then she's one of the five best players in the world, I think, on talent, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, as we continue to go down, you know, shout out Alexa Pano, make the cut. First of, you know, first event as a full LPGA Tour member. Uh, part of that, I also have to say, not good for me in my earlier predictions, but Lucy Lee shoots 76-76. Might have to work on the what this reverse podcast bump thing got going on, but it's a, it's a long year, okay? We got so much golf ahead of us, Cody. So I'm much not golf. worried about it. No, all right? no. Uh, the one name that I was kind of shocked that missed the cut by a lot, too, uh, was Maya Stark. Uh, she played really good at the beginning of this year, both on LET and the, the first couple of LPGA events. She's very familiar uh, in the desert. It just was kind of like off to see her put up that 77 in the second round and, and miss the cut by a lot. Yeah, I, I think she's got to be tired. You know, she's been playing all over the world these first few months. I'll, I'll, I'll cut her some slack. We'll, we'll, we'll chalk this up as, a, as an aberration. The one I was going to mention, I thought you were going here, a little sign of life from from Patty Tavitanikit. You know, we had mentioned her. She she opened with a 67. Um, 
bit of an up and down tournament, but finishes tied for 39, which this is really weird to say, but it almost feels like a, a T39, a top 40 is like, okay, this is a little step in the right direction. You know, we've, we've made a cut. We played all four rounds, made a lot of birdies. Um, just got to clean up the scorecard a little bit. We talked about it last time. I think she's got a clean, a clear head now, new perspective. She's making birdies. That's what we like to see, but I, I'm not going to overhype it yet. I, I think, well, honestly, for Patty T, this is one thing that both you and I, like, we probably want a little too bad. Uh, and I hope that she just continues, like, if this is momentum, I hope she continues it because it's great for us. It's great for golf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Allison Lee had a really good tournament going until Sunday. Shot a three over 75. She's got to be kicking herself, but heck of a first three rounds for her. Uh, and then a couple other of the big names surprisingly miss a cut. Brooke Henderson, Lexi. Um, you mentioned Maya Stark and, and Lucy Lee. Maria Fossey missed the cut. So just, uh, I guess a bit of a surprise there, especially Brooke and Lexi, for them to miss a cut on a at a venue where seemingly lots of birdies to be had. Yeah, and uh, you know Danielle withdrew prior to the event starting, so hopefully I, I can't even remember what was going on with it, but hopefully whatever it is that she heals up and gets back to it. I don't think it was the same back stuff that was going on last year. Uh, well, as we look ahead on the LPGA this week. They are in Los Angeles. It is the DIO Implant LA Open from Palos Verdes Golf Club. Nasa Hataoka is your defending champion. She put on a show last year, five-shot win. Uh, was actually one of only two players in 10-under uh, or better. She finished at 15-under last year. Course play difficult. It, it's a funky course. Uh, I, I hope people will tune in. You'll, you'll see a lot of elevation changes. There's there's a big downhill. It's like almost like a hundred yard downhill par three, which I know gave the players fits last year because there were some strong wins most of the tournament. So clubbing was a real challenge. And you can watch that. It'll be on Golf Channel this week. A little primetime action, 7 to 9.30 Eastern time, Thursday and Friday. And then 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday. Um, was a good tournament last year. So as, as you go from Anwa to the LPGA, you can have a very full weekend of women's golf, which is fantastic. This week is confusing the crap out of me. If people are not tracking what's going on, the LA Open the last like four or five years has been at Wilshire Country Club. That's right. This event, uh, well, excuse me, Palos Verdes Golf Club, where the event is hosted at this year, last year had the Palos Verdes Championship presented by Bank of America. It's like we're flip-flopping titles, but courses kind of remain the same. It, it's just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, stay tuned there because we, we have some news uh, on, on some tournaments later this year we'll get to. I did want to mention this week, the LA Open at Palos Verdes is the last tournament before we lock in the rosters for the International Crown, Cody. We touched upon this our last episode. We have our eight nations. So the International Crown is going to consist of four-person teams representing the United States, South Korea, Japan, Sweden, England, Thailand, Australia, and China. And on those teams, it's the top four ranked players per uh, Rolex rankings that are going to earn those spots. 
So looking at the roster battles, really the, the big intrigue, I think, is for the last spot on Team Australia. It's between Grace Kim and Sarah Kemp. Right now, Kim is uh, ahead of Sarah Kemp by one spot in the Rolex rankings. They're both playing Palos Verdes, so they could certainly flip-flop depending on how Sarah plays or depending on how Grace plays. That seems to be the one open roster battle that will need finalized this week, if you will. Yeah, I think the only thing to note there, of course, is that uh, number one player on the Swedish team being Lynn Grant. Lynn is not going to play. That's a fact. But I, I do. Uh, Grant Boone, again, did some great reporting. I guess that, that the, the immigration or visa policy is about to change. It just unfortunately changes a couple weeks after the International Crown happens. So we know that she's going to miss the International Crown. She's going to miss the Chevron, the first LPGA major of the year. But the good news is, is that once this does go through, we'll have KPMG, we'll have US Open. We should have her playing a, a somewhat regular LPGA season moving forward. That's awesome news. Uh, I will give up the International Crown if, if it ensures that Lynn is in the field at the KPMG and the U.S. Open in July. That would be fantastic. You, you're spot on, though, with all eyes kind of on that four spot for Team Australia. It's very, very, very uh, tight race right now. Um, like, this week means a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, a few odds and ends before, <laughs> Jordan, you're, you're just sitting patiently by. Uh, I promise we're going to get to some Anwa stuff. A couple odds and ends. Epson Tour, Epson Tour update. Gabby Ruffles won two weekends ago. Miranda Wang won last weekend. The Epson Tour is underway. And I just got to shout out Cody. Uh, Gabby Ruffles, friend of ours, friend of the program. She has already earned uh, 58000 through three events on the Epson Tour this year. And that is relevant because looking back at the prior full years of the Epson Tour, it usually takes about seventy-five to 80000 over the course of a season to, to nab that 10th and final LPGA card. So, man, it sure looks like Gabby is on pace to, to beat the door down and earn her LPGA card for 2024, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, there's no such thing as like battlefield promotion or anything else like that on the Epson to LPGA tour. But, you know, she's going to continue to to play great in these events, make a boatload of money to secure a card for next year. And honestly, she's probably going to end up getting quite a few sponsors invites as the year goes on to the LPGA tour. Yeah, yeah, let's hope so. Uh, they are, they being the Epson tour, they are still in Arizona. They're at Casino Del Sol just outside Tucson. So anybody listening around the Tucson area that wants to get up close and personal and watch some good golf, uh, would encourage, would encourage you to get out there and, and watch the Epson tour action. I, I heard they have a great crap set up at the casino Sol as well. So you can get on, get down with that as <laughs> there you, while you're up there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, the LPGA announced, a. uh, one tournament, the Taiwan Swinging Skirts LPGA, has been canceled. It had been scheduled for the last weekend of October this year, but quickly announced they have a replacement for it. It is the Maybank Championship in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, that same late October weekend. So uh, the Taiwan Swinging Skirts LPGA is out, and the Maybank Championship from Malaysia is in for those keeping score at home. Yeah, good announcement. Would hate to not see another gap on that schedule, but 
you know, we'll, we'll see what works out this fall. It's kind of the same thing that happened last year, and, and everybody was holding on hope that everything's going to stay together. And I remember going over and, and being in Korea and being like, wait a second, so what's going on next week? <laughs> oh, nothing. Oh, we're going? No, we're not going. Okay. So we'll see. Yeah. But good on the LPGA Tour for pivoting, finding something happening, and, and trying to bring the schedule together. Yep, yep. Uh, the other really cool announcement that came last week was the uh, the Mizuho Americas Open. It's it's a new tournament. They are playing it at Liberty National. It's in late May, and thanks to Mizuho, all 120 players in the field are going to receive complimentary lodging in New York City. Uh, this it's it's hard to understate how big of a deal that is. You know, finances especially for the rank and file and those just trying to to get by and earn a card, keep a card, being able to to receive free lodging for the week in New York City, that's a tremendous perk. I thought that was very good of Mizuho and uh was heartened by that announcement. Yep. Again, this this event hosted by Michelle Wee West just continue it hasn't even happened yet and continues to put the right foot forward. Uh, for the way that that tournament should be ran, and and hopefully there's a lot more of this to come. Yeah. The final quick note: they changed uh, Q series, Q series uh, being kind of the the pathway to the LPGA Tour for those that don't earn their card on the Epson Tour. Uh, it is going to go from an eight round qualifying tournament in in the final stage down to six rounds uh, with a cut after four rounds. So. I think that's fine. No strong opinion there. Eight rounds seems like a heck of a lot of golf to play late in the year after a full season. So no problem going down to six rounds for uh, for the final stage of Q Series. Completely agree with you, Big. Let's do it. Let's move on to Anwell. All right. Before we get there, one more sponsor to thank. That is Whoop. This episode is brought to you by Whoop, the official fitness wearable of the PGA and LPGA Tours. Whoop is a wearable health and fitness coach that specializes in tracking and improving your recovery, sleep, and activity. Whether you're hoping to sleep better, exercise more, reduce stress, or just lower your handicap, daily insights from Whoop are tailored to help you meet that goal. 87% of Whoop members say they feel healthier with Whoop. And with everything from personalized recommendations to sleep coaching, Whoop uses data to provide you with the steps you need to maintain positive routines and build healthier habits. Listeners, you can go to whoop.com, W-H-O-O-P.com, use code NLU and save 10% off your order. Again, that's whoop.com, code NLU to save 10% off your order. Thank them very much for being a sponsor. All right, Jordan, you've been patiently waiting. I'm sorry we had to get through uh, some some LPGA recap stuff, but couldn't be more excited for Anwa. You're just arriving into Augusta. We're, we're speaking to you on Tuesday evening. How was the trip up from Florida? What's the weather like? What, what, what do you know about the conditions? Where are we with Anwa prep right now? Where are we? Well, it's a whelming drive from Florida to Georgia. So let's start there. But uh, no, coming in, this is uh, my favorite week of the year. Um, I'm so beyond excited. Uh, this is my second time covering the event. And uh, yeah, heard it was a wet day. Kept an eye on the forecast out there at Champions Retreat, which is a really underrated venue. And we should definitely talk a little bit more about it. But no, I, I'm just so excited. This is the strongest field in the championship's history. I mean, 
I I think I was kind of thinking this last year, but I truly mean it when I say it just feels like almost anybody's championship this year. It is incredible how deep this field is. I know I, I was going through with with prep trying to pick out some favorites and some dark horses. It was hard just getting it down to like five favorites. I, I'll be honest. Let me let me ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. You said this is your second time going to the event and it's your favorite weekend of the year in golf. Can you just speak to how it affected you and, and how it's quickly become your favorite weekend of the year? So I I have some sentimental value with this event, mostly because it was my first like newspaper story that got published revolved around the inaugural event when I was a senior in college. So that held a lot of meaning to me. Like I, I was so stoked. And I re- just remember watching um, that Saturday, Jennifer Kupchow and Maria Fossey and Jennifer just totally escaping. I mean, it was just one of the most epic finishes I've ever watched. And so from every year on out that the Anwar has taken place, I it, it is like, it is mentally marked on the calendar. It is just like, pause everything. Doesn't matter if I'm there or not. This is the weekend. Like I was telling people last year before I got there, I'm like, this is my Super Bowl. This is like my thing. Like I, I was like, I like you know, my, my friends and family were happy for me, but I'm like, I need to, I have to <laughs> emphasize to you just how crazy this is. And like, I'm, I'm so beyond grateful just to even be here a second year, truly, um, you know, I, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm a little, I'm, a, I'm in awe still just talking about it. And I think, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I, sound, I sound like almost one of the players. I'm totally not playing this, but I'm just here. I'm just here writing about it. But no, it's, it's my favorite. I, I really get so hyped up about it. And it's, it's the best platform for the future of women's golf and women's amateur golf at large. I mean, it's the championship to win. It's developing its history in that direction. It was such a big breakthrough for the history of women's golf. And yeah, I mean, every year it's produced such a thrilling finish and such so many good stories. Amen to that. Um, It's so important. It's so wonderful to get the best amateur players in the world on a, on a course like Augusta. Uh, We can talk about, I think there should be an LPGA major uh, from Augusta later in the year. That's, that's a whole separate story. But as I've said all along, uh, since the announcement was made several years ago, it, it's a wonderful step in the right direction. So I, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's a weekend that I circle and look forward to. Um, and, and we say weekend, but we should tell people, uh, if you're listening to this podcast on Wednesday, it is round one. So they, they do round one and two on Wednesday and Thursday from Champions Retreat. New this year, you can watch first and second round coverage on Golf Channel from 1.30 to 3.30 Eastern, both Wednesday and Thursday, which is cool. They take Friday off to play a practice round at Augusta, and then the final round, the third round, concludes on Saturday at Augusta. So, Jordan, let's start here. What what are your initial impressions from last year and from everything you saw? What what should people know about Champions Retreat? In your, in your mind and in your words, what kind of golf course is it? It's a test. It's very. It's a very underrated test. Both the front and back nine are pretty different. The back nine has a lot of really interesting elevation changes. There's some really big greens in the front nine. It's very swampy, kind of marshy. It's almost like, I wouldn't say you go from zero to 100, but I feel like in some senses you get a really big tail of two golf courses. But last year was really, really unique in that first day kind of went off without a hitch. And then... Um, 
second day comes around and there's some weather and there's a pretty big weather delay, kind of messes up the timing, tea times get pushed back, everything. And then it spills over into the Friday. And you've got you've got a good amount of players who are hanging out around the cut line, just like really trying to make it to Augusta. And then they've got that practice round that they've got to squeeze in later in the day, which this year it's changed. Um, they're including the ties that advance to Augusta. So there wouldn't be a situation like that again. But yeah, I mean, and it's kind of interesting in the context of the entire tournament. I know there's some people say that the event doesn't truly start until the back nine at Augusta. And I, I don't know. I, 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 yes and no, because how you perform at Champions Retreat can really, really impact where you land at, on that final round. I mean, Anna Davis, for example, she had a pretty good round that first day. There was a lot of wind and she really was super steady. She saw it like a first round 70 and that really helped push her over the edge later in the week. So yeah, I, you know, Champions is, is a really unique test. I'm glad it's going to get a little bit of airtime this year with the broadcast. Finally, people could kind of see just how interesting it is. I have mixed feelings whether, you know, it should fully be played at Augusta. I do think, yes, it should, but I do love the incentive to make it to Augusta National itself. I think that's cool. Um, So I see it both ways. And I'm just, I'm excited for that course to kind of be on display. I was going to ask you that. So Cody, let me throw it to you. What, What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, having two of the three rounds at Champions Retreat and keeping that third and final round uh, at Augusta National. Would it be cool to have all three rounds played at Augusta National? Of course. In the grand scheme of things, does it matter? I don't quite think so. I think it's phenomenal that we have this event in the first place. This is one of the first ideas that Fred Ridley had when he took over as chairman. He's obviously a champion of amateur golf. He's a U.S. amateur champion. He's the last U.S. amateur champion that did not turn professional and try to play professional golf. So he's a true believer in the amateur game. That's his background. He also worked, uh, was the president of the USGA for a long time. He believes in amateur golf. He believes in the women's game. I think this is okay. And if you look, a, a fantastic article published today by Jill Beal talking about Augusta National's potential long-term plans is that if you go and look at the history of the club, they originally intended to have a second course. And there still is a thought that as they continue to buy land and everything else, that there would be this second course that would be the the women's championship course. Obviously still playing the final round over on Augusta National Golf Club, the course that we know today. But I, I it's up in the air for me. I love the way that it's set up now. I think it's a great opportunity that everybody gets to go and play a practice round, whether you made the cut or not. Uh, and the championship is finished where I, I think like the holy grail of, of golf is at. And and I think that's just a, a great opportunity for the women. It, it's, you know, it's just one of those things. We could honestly sit here and complain about it and go one way or the other. But at the end, I don't care. I think it's really damn cool. I I mostly agree with you. I <laughs> sometimes complaining is is what I feel I do best. Uh, but but I do think it's worth noting Augusta National. And I never thought about this, but TPC the the stadium course at uh, at Sawgrass are really the the two courses in the broad world of professional golf that the women don't play. And I think that's a shame. You know, last year's 
British Open going to Muirfield. That checked a, a big box, and that was a, a momentous occasion to get the women's championship at a place like Muirfield. And I think it only just magnifies that the fact that, yeah, you, you have Augusta National and, to a lesser extent, uh, TPC Sawgrass as, as the two places where the best of the best in the, in the women's professional world don't compete. Now, I'll, I'll get down on that argument because I think it's horse shit that the LPGA, I don't know what they've attempted to do or whatnot. This is phenomenal for the women's amateur game. Yes. And that's what we were talking about. Yes. LPGA Tour, their schedule, their decisions, everything, that is a completely side story. I, I've, he- I've heard the rumors. Like, if I was an LPGA Tour player and you see this, like, of course it's really cool to see the future of the women's game and everything else like that. But at the same time, I'd be like, what the hell, man? I'm the, we're the best female, you know, women golfer in the world. Yeah. And we don't get an opportunity. I mean, this event killed off the A&A. It did. It did. You know, it, it forced an LPGA major to not only, I mean, lose that much interest that they had to move weekends, but they had to lose, you know, they lost their location. Which I think underscores the, the power that Augusta has. Where if if they wanted to blaze a trail, that they could do so, right? Of course, um, of course. But I will say too, as a club, and you might not agree with how everything Augusta National does, but they they have a member, you know, their membership. The course is only open for like five months of the year because of how the how they grow their growing season. They want it to look. Everything is is set up to be pristine for next week. And I also will say that probably in their thought process, because we saw this in 2014 when they did back-to-back men's and women's U.S. Opens at Pinehurst, completely different turf, completely different conditions there, but the course gets beat up. Yeah. Now, the fact that the the ANWA is the week before the men here, I, I'm sure that that weighs into their the discussions of having all three rounds at Augusta National versus the way that it is now. Yeah. Jordan, physically speaking, how far away is Champions Retreat from Augusta National? Do you do you have a sense of that? Off the top of my head, I think it's about 20, okay. 20 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, if I had to guess. All right, and is is the attendance policy, I'm, I'm sorry, because I'm asking questions I don't know the answers to, but are, are, are folks able to go to Champions Retreat without necessarily having tickets for the final round at Augusta National? Do you know how the, the attendance policy works around the tournament don't hold me to this i believe they are um i remember last year kind of seeing people i don't remember seeing people take tickets at champions retreat uh kind of when i was meandering around (laughs) so um so so yeah yeah i i believe so i believe people have the chance to check champions out which is pretty cool yeah What's your sense of the weather, the conditions? I know we were talking a little bit uh, before we hit record, and it seems like it's wet right now in Augusta. Do you, are you expecting fairly low scores as a result? Yes, 100%. Um, and it's interesting because I keep checking the forecast for Saturday, and it looks like there's a little bit of thunderstorm action. Um, so that'll be interesting, um, especially with the timing of the weekend, drive, chip, and putt, and everything. I hope that uh, forecast kind of vanishes. and we end up getting a great Saturday finish. Oh my God. We got to get it wrapped up so we can get the drive chip and putt going on Sunday, Cody. No, that was basically the, the same people playing in the field over <laughs> yeah. here. I mean, what are we doing here? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Jordan, I, as I said, you, you're working for AmateurGolf.com this week, and one of the the first pieces you published was, oh gosh, last week. Just looking forward to some top storylines. Do you mind running us through uh, what some of those might be, and and kind of what you're most excited to to see and and to learn this week? Yeah. Do we want to go kind of one by one? Yeah, let's do it. And you can start okay. anywhere you want. All right. Well, um, the guest of honor on this podcast, Rosang, has, I've somewhat semi-coined this, there's a, kind of been an unofficial grand slam of women's amateur golf on the line. Um, there's a very specific part of her trophy case that is missing an Anwa trophy. Um, this is the fourth time playing her championships. One of the few people to play this event for fourth time. And that's that's huge um i i think she's hungrier than ever she was talking on friday um acknowledging the pressure she's one to kind of block it out extremely well she's not a world rankings checker by any stretch um she was talking about how her friends give her a little bit of grief about it just you know just in a bit of a comical sense but you know i think she her game is only getting better by the year it's the most consistent game in the women's amateur world i mean she has nine collegiate wins in 16 starts. Absolutely unreal. Such good momentum coming off of a win um, at a course that she set the women's course record at the year before and strangely didn't win. But, you, you know, I don't, I, I don't think not winning and setting the course record somehow end up in the same sentence. But, hey, Rosang. Anyway, many wins to cover that up. She's just been so phenomenal. She's been in the conversation almost every year. And that that's it, it's hard to counter out that 2021 that she almost won was tough I don't know that she likes to really um lament on that too much but um when she tripled on the 13th and kind of took her out of that playoff and that finished kind of left a sour taste in her mouth last year 2022 she played she had kind of been coming off of a foot injury and so she had like a final round 74 at Augusta it's fine mild but i think she has greater expectations this year for her game she's in a better place she's healthier she is you know has those reps and has the veteran experience so i it's it almost seems like the easy pick right but rosang if not now when yeah that's certainly the question that's really fascinating thinking about the women's amateur grand slam so just off the top of my head would it be the girls junior the us am the ncaa individual and anwa are, are those the four that you have in there yeah i got a little bit of flack because i didn't include the european ladies amateur oh, um, they're always going to be upset though yeah but i i think this is the semi unofficial grand slam for me well then i gotta think a win by rose if if we're speaking kind of modern modern parlance of of course the Anwa's only been around four years, but it certainly, if if she were to win this weekend, it it kind of sets the bar for the most decorated amateur career in in the on the women's side, I would think, right? She's on pace. I mean, she just um, eclipsed Lydia Ko for weeks spent at the number one of the Wagger rankings. I believe that was one thirty one for Lydia, and she's on track in a few weeks to pass Leona McGuire who currently holds the record for most consecutive weeks at the number one world ranked amateur. So 
yeah, I, I would say this has the makings for the best women's amateur career of all time. Like this is a literal goat we're talking about. Yeah, and just continues to like stack titles on top of each other as she goes along. And we'll put all individual titles to the side when it's a team competition and what she absolutely loves. You know, this is a, a pretty big gap in a very, very, very accomplished career that she has so far. I know she knows that. She obviously should be and is the front runner here. Uh, what I'm concerned uh, being that she's played in this event so many times is like, is this a Rory situation now? Oh, because she Lord. hasn't had the the, the most success. Oh, Lord. But she also has, well, we've, we've learned that from first-time players. Yeah. You know? I know. I mean, maybe the scar tissue is there for her. I, I don't know, because it has to be something. Oh, I don't even want to think about it. it. It was the 13th, right? That was that was her bugaboo a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. A lot's changed for her since then, though. She's she's in a lot better place mentally, a lot better place physically. Uh, God, she's hitting it so good, too. The only concern that I have for uh, Rose not winning is Anna Davis repeating. Which that would be history. All right, Jordan. I don't want to. Maybe I. I don't want to steal any of your thunder. Hit us. Hit us with your next storyline. No, go all in. Yes, it is Anna. It is Anna indeed. Um, yeah, Anna's had a really interesting past year as a champion. And first of all, there's many things I can say about the coolness of Anna being the champion. She's the second junior to win the event. She just straight up was so kind of, you know blissfully unaware of what was going on and what was in front of her and everything like I remember that after that first round that like really really windy Wednesday when she saw shot 70 when she was doing quick quotes I was like talking I think I brought up crow's nest or something like in relation to like amateurs and Augusta National and everything I'm like do you know what crow's nest is and she's like no and I'm like oh really and then she kind of revealed later on in her presser she's like yeah, I don't really have like a ton of memories associated with the masters or everything. Like I'm really just kind of learning everything here. And she admitted it like actually in the past week, she's like, I really knew nothing. And she's like, I think that really helped me so much. Like I did not have much of an idea about Augusta National. I didn't know how prestigious this was. She mentioned at some point that the only way that she had heard about Anla was because of how close Rose was to winning it. Um, and so it's it's some of the coolest and some of the most candid like behavior from a player. I, I just kind of love how real she is. And I'll touch on some semi-controversy she stirred up uh, recently. But um, no, Anna, Anna is an incredible player. She just won the Sage Valley Junior Invitational two weeks ago. Just she's kind of fueling uh, the lefty theory a little bit here. Um, and if you just kind of like going back to that final round at Augusta and her short game and just the way that she attacked the greens, I mean, she she was just phenomenal, truly. I mean, I, there was no one else that was beating her. And that's hard to think in the context of Latana Stone, who was practically in the driver's seat for most of that final round. Um, but Anna, I mean, Anna's such a cool champion. She mentions kind of in that context of, not being so unaware of what was going on. She's like, that might be the biggest challenge for me this year is that I know what's going on. I know how big of a deal this was. She played so many majors this past year, um, so many um, cool professional events. And she's this Sage Valley was her second win this year. And so 
thinking about it just in the um, totality of the past year, I mean, it's not, it's not just, it wasn't just a one and done and well, hey, I'm here and I just happen to really have a great day at Augusta National. Anna is the real deal. My enduring memories are, you mentioned it, that short game last year was unbelievable. She hit some of the filthiest chips. Uh, super, super impressive. And all while doing it with this, like, I mean, this aw shucks, you know. So cool. Yeah, just. Don't worry about yeah, it, man. It, it's fine. She could have been at her local Muni, but here she is at Augusta National doing it. Was was super impressed with her. Jordan, I got to ask, is she, it, will, will the bucket hat be back? I, I think that was part of her charm last year as well. I think it's under consideration. I'm not I'm not 100% sure if it's back. I saw some pictures of her practicing. I didn't see her in the bucket hat, but um, I, I, the last year's bucket hat, I think, was a bit of a game-time decision. So I'm curious if anything a little more planned out will be in the wardrobe. But, yeah, the, her fashion, her attitude, her candidness. I, I mentioned the controversy, um, the semi-controversial take about the pimento cheese sandwiches. Oh, right. um, yeah. I, I had asked her that and I was like, is there, do you have a favorite food from Augusta now? And she's like, no, but I can't get over how gross the <laughs> pimento cheese sandwiches are. And I was like, this is brave and bold. And I think I'm a bigger fan than I already was. <laughs> that is, that is, a, that's a bull. Those are fighting words there. I got, I, I am team pimento over egg salad every single day of the week. Where, where do you guys fall on the pimento versus egg salad debate? I love pimento cheese. I, I, I also semi-controversially don't really love the Augusta pimento. <laughs> I like my homemade one. Sorry. I, I, well, I really like it. Yeah, maybe. I'll have more to report back uh, for you on, on that, Mr. Big. It's my first time going, but I'll, I'll, I'll dabble. I'll do a little sampling. Uh, I believe the bucket hat made an appearance at the Junior Invitational at Sage Valley. Uh, I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll be bucket hat season. I spent... Phenomenal nine holes walking with Anna's dad last year at the U.S. Open at Pine Needles. And man, I learned more about being a dad during that two and a half hour walk than I think I've learned in a long, long time. Like just sitting there watching him, obviously his daughter, she was struggling at the time. It's been a whirlwind year for them already. And like just to hear him talk about advice and and trying to rein in expectations and how everything's changed it's it's just been really it, it was really cool experience for me to to be a part of and he was like so gracious with this time one fun fact he said that he gave uh obviously Anna's a twin she has a twin brother uh when they first started playing golf and like really got into it he said that he gave they were like 10 years old and he's like an old school like old soul golfer who believes in like blades are the purest form of clubs possible <laughs> and he gave them both like knock down like chop down a, a set of old blades and they've they've been playing with muscle backs like their entire lives that's all they know uh <laughs> and i always thought that was that was really cool because she didn't realize at the time like oh yeah like i'm a baller man like i'm a, this is like a ball strikers club but she is man she she hits the ball incredible has a, a great great short game and uh you know, she's got momentum on her side. It, it, it would be so cool to see her and Rose, like, truly battling it out because, uh, you know, this is a stacked field, but, like, those two clearly, I think, rise to the top. Yeah, and, and Jordan, from your piece, too, I, I learned, well, 
I was reminded of the fact that um, a bit of an odd situation with Anna, she's going to be simultaneously the first person to be defending her title at the Anwa. And I, and I say simultaneously because the 2021 winner, uh, Subasa Kajitani, did not tee it up last year, but is playing this year. So she, one year removed, is defending her title. So a, a bit of an interesting situation there. I hate to do this to, to Anna, but I know her uh, pimento cheese take was out there. Do you know where uh, her and her brother committed to go to college at? Auburn. Auburn. What, yeah. I'm, what a weird, weird. I did not see that coming at all. From SoCal to Auburn. Yeah. I know. A little disappointing, if I'm being honest. And Auburn folks are going to hate hearing that. But <laughs> how how they how how the California schools let her out of the state? I don't know. Hard to beat the SEC. Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, Jordan's a, a Gator. Yeah, I guess. All right, Jordan. SEC bias. <laughs> yeah. Auburn. Get out of here. Yeah. All right. What else? Uh, what, what's the next big storyline, Jordan? Okay. Well, back to the uh, subject of Subasa Kajitani making her grand return. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting. She disappeared a little bit from kind of the international golf scene for a little bit, but she played the girls junior last year. She also played the women's amateur. Um, so she had some returns back to the United States, but this will be the first time that she returns back to champions retreat and Augusta national potentially. Um, she was a really interesting champion as well, where she, I remember she said that she didn't even think she'd make the cut at all. And she showed up big down the stretch. And in that playoff against Amelia, I mean, she she made the green and really capitalized where Amelia didn't, which I think Amelia is a pretty big contender this year. But that's a separate discussion. Um, but Subasa, along with Saki Baba, the reigning U.S. Women's Amateur Champion, they lead this like enormous contingent of players from Japan. It's so, so cool. Kind of these invites were dished out to um, quite a few of these Japanese players. There's a few players like Yuna Araki, Sayaka Teraoka, Mamika Shinichi, Nika Ito, um, Izuki Hashimoto, Hinano Rin Yushida. I mean, there's just and it's like this big group. It's so, so rad. And like, I'm really curious to see what the fanfare will look like around these players too. I mean, it, it's, they, they spend so much of their time playing a lot of professional events in Japan and they have a lot of those reps. Um, Yuna had won the Japan girls junior. Sayaka Teroka won the Japan women's amateur. Um, it's just, I, and my mind is blown at just how many of these players are in the field, but Saki specifically, Saki, I don't, I, there's not a country that Saki, I feel like hasn't dominated. It's her game really travels. It's, it's just incredible. And that U S women's amateur, I mean, that, that was one of the biggest margins in the history of the championship. And I, between Saki and Subasa, I'm really curious to see where their game falls this week. Let me add, I am so curious to see what kind of outfits Saki is rocking. I mean, aside from aside from the historic USAM win, as you said, God, her style out at, at Chambers was unbelievable. Massive Saki fan here. It, yeah, Saki, Saki surely has the drip. I am beyond stoked. 
to see the Sakibaba wardrobe this week. I mean, she's there. I, I just generally speaking, I, I don't even think it's just for the big events, right? Yeah, I'd like even just scrolling her Instagram, it's just like, okay, she knows what to drive. I love it. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, Codeman, any thoughts on the Japanese contingent or should we go to the next one? No, it's impressive. They roll deep. Augusta, long, long history, though, inviting uh, Japanese stars, going all the way back on the men's side to, to the inaugural event. So it's really cool to see. But, man, they rolled deep. It's nuts. Yeah, yeah. All right, Jordan, what else you got for us? Well, uh, a continuation of the SEC bias, I'm afraid. Oh, LSU. I knew this was coming, of LSU course. is leading the field. And uh, the amount of collegiates that are at Enla this year. So, runner up Latana Stone will be there. Uh, Ingrid Lindblad, who has been contention, in contention quite a few times, um, and whose name is, should, is barely behind Roses in terms of chances. Kendall Griffin, who's an assistant coach now, uh, was an LSU alum. Um, Carla Tejedo is also uh, an invite to Enla. She's had Oh, some pretty some pretty impressive growth in the past year, and she's really kind of contributed to that SEC leading LSU team, um, who will defend their SEC championship pretty soon. But yeah, uh, last year it was all about Stanford. This year, LSU takes over. Well, I don't know about that. I, I, I okay, okay, calm down a little bit there. I, I get the fanfare for LSU. Still, Stanford brings in. Uh, plenty of invites to include Rachel, obviously not, not able to play this year because of injury, but yes, I, I, I agree with where you're going here. You know, Jordan, one thing you you mentioned, Kendall Griffin, who no longer has college eligibility and is now coaching at Indiana. I think with this tournament being in, in its infancy, really, um, what's going to be really fun over the years are people like Kendall, right? Who, I, I, I do you think we're gonna get some of these players? I'm thinking of like Emilia Migliaccio, who I don't think is gonna turn pro, right? But could still compete at Anwa year after year potentially. I, I think that could be really cool. I am like kind of spiritually pleading that it, this kind of extends to midams. Like I think that would be absolutely so sick. Like I I hope to see the midam champion play the following years of Anwa. That would be it's so, so cool. cool. And I love the trend that it's going. You're right. Like, Amelia isn't turning pro, but Amelia's game is extremely consistent. It feels like she hasn't really lost a step, especially in that kind of hiatus year that she took. Um, Julia Johnson is another one who doesn't have any more eligibility, but she's kind of on the she's, – she's kind of on the sidelines now reporting and doing some broadcasting work, which has been pretty cool. And between Kendall as well, who's an assistant coach at Indiana, I mean – I, I really love this like sneaky mid-am storyline. And I'm actually very curious if the championship runs pretty deep with juniors. There's so many juniors in the field. I'm wondering if the ages are going to kind of, that, if those parameters are going to really widen. Like I'd love to see some senior women eventually as well. Yeah, let's get big mama down here, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I got to be so cool with for, for the mid-am champion, for instance, to, to receive an invite. Um, all right, a few more storylines. I'll, I'll let you keep going here. All right, I won't. Uh, I won't <laughs> ramble too much. But yeah, Curtis Cup reunion. Uh, sans Rachel Heck, unfortunately, but she was invited. So 
most of the Curtis Cup squad, the winning squad will be back. And for those who aren't totally familiar, that's Latana Stone, Amari Avery, Rosang, Rachel Keane, Emilia Miliacho, Jensen Castle, and Megagane. So they will all be back. All people that I think could have really big weeks this week. I mean, I between all of them, I mean, they've all won 14 times just in this past year. It, it is so unreal. And I made a comment, I think, during the Curtis Cup last year to the effect of, like, this is, like, probably the best Curtis Cup team ever. And some people were a little, like, ruffled about that. But I, I don't know. I, I, I'm feeling like I was a little bit right about that one. <laughs> yeah, God, I... I, I don't have the institutional knowledge, but man, it would seem hard pressed for there to be a better Curtis Cup group. I think if someone wants to correct me, I'm totally open to it. But it's I'm I'm pretty sure I'm going to die on that hill. I dig it. I dig it. Uh, all right, what else? So, um, very interestingly, there are there's this interesting trend. Rather, after year one, after Jennifer won, Jennifer was it, Jennifer was not necessarily like a difficult pick to make, but following year, Subasa kind of came out of not really necessarily nowhere. She was a top 30 player, but she was mostly relatively unknown on the international scene. Um, and then Anna, Anna Davis was ranked 100 when she won. And so, you know, there, there's these players with these really good resumes, and obviously that gets them into the Anwa. But I'm genuinely curious if anyone is going to kind of emerge out of not necessarily nowhere, but not the players that we're used to talking about or used to thinking about on the women's amateur scene. And when we think about the future of women's golf, I'm so curious as, uh, as we re reveal our favorites, kind of what direction you and Cody are going to go there, because I think this ties in to, to your next storyline with just the amount of juniors in the field, right. And the, the talent that they have, I mean, honestly, we could be looking at another junior champion. It's hard not to think that way. And I think I remember last year, it was like about nine players that had made the cut to Augusta that were all juniors. It, it It's kind of like mind boggling. They're, they're so good. They run so deep. I mean, Gianna Clemente, for instance, is one of those players that really stormed kind of the LPGA Monday qualifier scene, making con three consecutive back-to-back -back Monday qualifiers. I mean, a junior, she's literally 15. And she did that. Like, what? Um, Yana Wilson, another one, such a powerful hitter. I love Yana Wilson's swing. <laughs> she's so good. She's one of those really long hitters. So young. She's U.S. girls junior champion who beat Gianna. Um, I don't, I don't know that that final, you know, could have had any other two players in it, but two incredibly good players in that pack. Saki Baba, still a junior. It all things considered, you know, maybe, maybe difficult to think that way when the U.S. women's amateur champion won by such an incredible margin and you know but she is a junior um same thing the asia pacific amateur champion just a few weeks ago um and i i hope not to botch this pronunciation but isla galitsky had just gotten an invite off of that win so it there there's such a strong group in the junior class and i thought it was strong last year i i mean this year's is just unreal yeah it is it's staggering yeah it's hard to imagine too like thinking of Names that are no longer teens, Megagane sticks out, uh, Amari Avery sticks out to like, so they're old now. Like, yeah, right. What, what are we doing? Yeah. I feel like we've been watching that for like the last three years. Yeah. Uh, all right. Any other storylines? Hmm. Just thinking about the lore associated with this championship, 
we've had some really top-notch winners, especially entering the um, their LPGA careers. Yuka Sasso was in the field for the first Anwa. Um, Andrea Lee, Maya Stark, Jennifer Cupshaw, Maria, I mean, all of these names were in the animal field. And I cannot emphasize enough. This is the true magnifying glass into the future of women's golf. I mean, there's such an interesting pipeline, too, between the players who play this event. They end up going to Q School later in the year. They end up with status. Lynn Crowder is one that I can think of. Um, Alexa Pano is another. I mean, just the game is only getting richer on the women's side, and this this is substance to that. Yeah. I was just struck. You know, Cody, Lucy Lee, right, who's – I mean, how old is she? She yeah. she obviously turned pro and, and um, is not playing, but she could very easily be playing here this weekend. But instead she's – you know, she'll be making her second start as a full LPGA member. Um, all right. Well, I think it's time to get into a few dark horses and then let's reveal our favorites. Let's start with dark horses. I tasked all of you with, with coming up with, I want two names from everybody for dark horses. And I don't have a great definition for dark horse, except for like, it can't include Rosang or, you know, Anna Davis. I think, I think we all know what a dark horse is. I, I think a name that a lot of people listening do not know, perhaps have never heard of, uh, but who you think has a great shot to win or at least compete, be there on on Saturday at Anwa. Cody, let's start with you. Give me give me one of your two dark horses. Well, I, uh, maybe not so much a dark horse, but she is a, a world beater, the pride of uh, Australian golf currently, and that's Janice Wong. Okay, what do we need to know? Tell me. Well, Melbourne... Uh, I mean, you're, you're kind of putting me on the, on the spot here, but, uh, stall, stall, stall. Two time Aussie girls, amateur champion. Uh, I, I don't know. Is she, I'm just surprised because she, I, she signed a Pepperdine. Okay. Correct. She's committed to Pepperdine. She's there. She's there at Pepperdine. There you go. <laughs> Cut this out. She plays a Pepperdine having a great year. Big. What else do you want from me? Ah, that's, that's all. Honestly, I wasn't even looking at her. So that's good. Uh, Jordan. That's why they're underdogs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jordan, give me one of your two favorite dark horses. Am I allowed to use Gianna Clemente? Uh, no, everybody knows who Gianna yeah. Clemente is. Yeah, we're gonna, but this is so stocked. It's so I know. Stocked. I know. We're going to disqualify Gianna, though. Dang. Okay. Well, I'll throw this one out there. Hannah Darling. Um, she is a gritty competitor. I remember seeing that coming out on display at the Curtis Cup last year. I mean, her game is phenomenal. I do have some concerns. She didn't really have a great final round at Augusta last year. She finished with a final round 79. Um, but she's always in the conversation in the SEC at South Carolina. She's had a really great career. She's had some 10 top 10 finishes, which is unreal i mean i i had to go back and remind myself like hi is she the sophomore or junior she's literally a sophomore and she's just playing so well so i i think she could she could be in the picture on saturday truthfully if she returns with kind of like a different mindset and you know some some new found perspective on augusta i mean i'm, I'm curious to see how she plays this week i i i think that's a great pick <laughs> <laughs> I know nothing else about her except for what you just told me. So that's, that's wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
All right, guys, my first one I'm going to throw out, I, and I'm sure I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but Maya Ertengren, she is Swedish. This will be her second start at Anwa. She, she finished uh, tied for 12th last year. We know Sweden women's golf is having a moment. They are producing world-class players at just a tremendous clip. She shot 72 last year at the National. I think I think I've heard that she has committed to Stanford, so you know, you know they know how to pick the the big-time talent. So that's who I'm going with with one of my dark horse picks. I dig that- it big. Solid, solid dark horse pick. Okay. She, she was incredible last year. Ah, always, always nice to get some validation there. All right, let's Still go back. I can't believe how young she is either. I know, what, that, 18, I, I think? That. Yeah, and like I was trying to remember, like, is she still a junior? No, but she's still so young. Yeah. Uh, we'll go snake style. So I'll throw out my second. This is somebody, if, uh, if people listened to our podcast a couple weeks ago, Kate Burton said that she will soon have the best swing in all of golf. That is Korea's Min Sol Kim. I'm taking her as my second dark horse pick. God, that's so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, that is sneaky good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, Jordan, who's your second favorite dark horse? Oh, my gosh. This one's this one I think is interesting. So Julia Lopez Ramirez, she's coming off of an event that she just played, and I think she has a top three now. So, like, I, it's it's so funny um, looking at some of these players because some of them played the Clemson Invitational and some of them played um, an event in Arizona at Papago. And I'm like, oh, some of this information is just already outdated. Like, I, it's, I everyone is either doing super well, but – Julia also had a top three finish at the um, at the Clemson Invitational, I believe. And she's just been so good. She's just kind of like had this like little quiet year. Uh, she was SEC freshman of the year, but now in her sophomore year, she's had two top fives, a top 15. I mean, she won one of the toughest events on the schedule, the Blessings Collegiate, by six shots. And that course is not easy. Um, and kind of like the rotation of collegiate courses – Blessings is not an easy course. So I think she's going to want to talk for her. She's pretty good. <laughs> I love it. And you're right about Blessings. Blessings looks so hard. Mm-hmm. All right, Coban, round us out. Who's your Who's your other dark horse candidate? Not going to shock a lot of people here. I've talked about her before on this said podcast. She is a grinder. She's not a superstar like everybody else. She is a... a that what we're looking from a dark horse, this is her. She's put herself in contention. She's had a phenomenal college career at Furman University. She's the pride of Spartanburg, South Carolina, and that's one and only Anna Morgan. I am team Anna all the way, not just because we have people in common, but because she is the one of the grittiest people like I've ever seen. She qualified for the U.S. Women's Open last year. She had to qualify uh rain shortened round she had to come back the next morning and train like a 12 footer just to get in on the number she did it had an awesome us open uh and it's had a really good uh senior year of college so far so won one tournament has 20 uh let's see seven of nine top 25s in the others and you know what she's going to be a very very successful professional golfer and i'm so excited for her to get the opportunity to play in the ANWA again uh, before she turns professional later on this year. And I just hope it would be so cool to like 
see it capped off with a solid performance here. Amen. Shout out our buddy Joe Zwickle. I love that pick, Cody. Good, good on you. All right, favorite favorite time, guys. This is so difficult. I I want to go five to one, and let's go around the horn. Start with your fifth favorite. You want me to pick it up again? Yeah, go ahead. <sighs> okay, Latana Stone. This was her tournament last year. Uh, I'm gonna say she choked this away. Uh, Anna Davis, as much as I love it, but like Latana should have won this uh, event. It was weird. It was very much a uh, Mito Pereira at uh, Southern Hills situation. Like something happened in Latana's body and like it just, this collapse happened. Now it was aided. uh, Anna Davis played very, very, very good uh, in that final round to get the victory. But I would say Latana Stone, a solid number five. Do you want me to keep going down the list or are we going to snake this thing? Uh, let's go with Jordan's number five favorite. Ooh, I don't think Latana would be my number five, but see, this is so, so difficult. So, so. <laughs> and I feel like also that number five is like changing for me by the day. Oh um, yeah. It's impossible. I, I I'm going to throw I, what maybe wasn't initially in my favorites list. Um, someone who I think could really, really come out big. Amari Avery, she's been a little quieter this year in her collegiate year, um, but I think she knows how to play on the biggest of stages. On the Curtis Cup, she went on a five-win, or, or she almost went on a five-win tear, sorry. She almost did. Um, at least last day didn't go her way, but they still won, and she was an enormous part of that. Um, that, fre- that freshman, beginning of her freshman season, she went on – that three win tear she opened her fall with one win i believe and yeah she's just kind of steadying it up a little bit and i think she's hungry i mean she's she looks like a better player by the halves of these collegiate seasons i think she has a little less pressure on herself to do well i don't think there are as many eyes on her as there used to be in some senses and so i think i think in in that way she'll shine yeah, Amari's on my list, but not at five. My number five is Savannah DeBach. She is Belgian, 17-year-old, uh, the 2022 European Ladies Amateur Champion. I saw her last summer competing at Muirfield in the in the British Open. She was just delighting everybody in the uh, in the clubhouse. She just has such a bubbly nice fun personality she's this will shock you she's committed to play for an sec school the university of georgia um and this is her on what debut so i you know first timers have had some some luck in the past uh she fits the profile as kind of a 17 year old just right on that like junior line um i just yeah i i i'm i'm thinking this is going to be a big week for her i don't know why pick. Well, thank you. And then I will say my my fourth pick, Jordan, was Amari Avery. So you you Ah, right there. Yeah, you talked about everything about Amari way better than I could. So uh let's let's go to you. Forgot to mention. Yeah, forgot to mention she she played pretty well last year. She finished fourth. Yeah, she did. So I mean, and it was interesting. Now I wouldn't say maybe zero to one hundred, but she missed the cut in her first annual, and last year she had a fourth place finish. So I think it can only go up from here. We're trending. We're trending. We're trending. Uh, who's who's your fourth? Who's who's in that four slot for you then? 
I I think I would have to go maybe Saki. Um, and I th- though I know Saki has the capability to compete in the U.S., I need to see a little bit more from her. I need to see a little bit more. Um, I think I, I think she can have a big week. She she conquered, conquered chambers like nobody else. But I I think this is some new ground for her, and I I want to see how she handles it. But that's not to say that I don't think she could really come out in that top five. I should I should note Saki is paired with Rose Zhang for I believe they keep them for the first two rounds if if yes. I had to guess. So yeah, she'll that that will be certainly she'll be in a group to watch there. Uh, good pick at number four. I I think maybe maybe a little low, but we'll see what Cody's thinking. Cody, who's your number four? Number four, this could be a shocker to a lot of people. I think she, uh, so far in her collegiate career, has kind of played second or third fiddle a couple too many times. She has played very well on the biggest stage at the U.S. Women's Open. She is the most experienced competitor on the grounds at Augusta National, not quite because of Anwa appearances, but because of drive, chip, and putt experiences. I am talking about the Stanford freshman, <laughs> Megagane. <laughs> Did not hit my board. This was a tough one to to leave out, but you're exactly right. She's got all that drive, chip, and putt experience. I didn't even think about that. Mm-hmm. Used to playing in big tournaments, very used to the pressure. She played here last year, and and man, like she's playing really good this year. Like it, it, it's hard when you're on the team with Rose. Maybe this will free her up a little bit, being like a true individual uh, event. But I mean, it's hard to say that she should not get a look at at least. Yeah, I think it also underscores just how good Rose is because you're right about like Mega having the unbelievable U.S. Open week at um, in San Francisco at Olympic Club and yeah. is a freshman this year at Stanford <laughs> and, you know, has top 10 finishes in four of her six starts this season but doesn't have a win. And then you look at Rose and it's like, yeah, she's got nine of them in, in not quite two years. And it just really drives home uh, the, the caliber of player that Rose is. But that's to take nothing away from Mega. Great pick at number four. She did not hit my board though, but that's okay. Why, let's go snake style. Who's in your third spot? Number three, uh, Jordan's going to get excited about this. The pride of LSU, Ingrid Lindblad. Uh, listen, obviously has performed well at this tournament in the past, performs an awesome college career, uh, again, leading the U S women's open last year at, at like uh, for a pretty long stretch of time. And people are like, Whoa, is an amateur really going to win this thing? Awesome. Awesome thing to watch. And I think, you know, kind of when I was talking about Latana, like somebody with experience, Ingrid's put herself in positions before, um, and it, you know, who knows could be her big week. Her her finishes tied for third at Anwa in 2021, tied for second in 2022. I mean, what symmetry if if she could win this year? Just the yep. the, the three two one. Yeah, I think you're right. She's not going to be. You know, the moment's not going to be too big for her. Uh, I'm honestly surprised you had her down at third. She's <laughs> spoiler alert. She's she's going to be a little higher on my list. Uh, well, what do you want me to do when you have the number one? the number one amateur in the world and the defending champion. I know, I know, I know. Uh, Jordan, who's in that three spot for you? Uh, That three spot will go to Anna. And 
it almost feels like marginally that I'm saying that because I mean, you know, we, we, we talked about this, just how good she played last year and how good she's had in her following year. I mean, the only thing that I am concerned about is the pressure, um, the pressure of being the defending champion, knowing what's at stake, knowing everything. I mean, the medal game is going to have to be pretty sharp this week for her. I mean, she has everything else, right? But it's it's the mental game that is going to be put 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 to test this week. And so by by a pretty slim margin, I have Anna at number three. I like it. I Anna was the one I struggled with the most. She did she did not make my top five. That could end up being a very, very stupid thing on my part. But yeah, I just worry about like like you wow. just the pressure that comes with defending, right? And you know, this year is not going to be like last year and what that, you know, what that means for her. So anyway, my third, we've talked about her, Saki Baba, in love with her style, in love with her golf game, won the US AM last year, 11 and nine at Chambers, as we've said, just so excited to see her around Augusta. She's in the three spot for me. And then I'll go ahead, my second spot, Cody, you said her, Ingrid Lindblad, um, she just is so solid. I, I feel like she could just her consistency, uh, her ability to take advantage of the par fives. I, I just feel like she's not going to shoot herself. I would, let me put it this way: I would be shocked if she shot herself out of it. I think it's going to take somebody having to go beat her. Yeah, completely agree. Jordan, who's uh, who's in that two spot for you? I'm following the snakes out very poorly, but I I, I have to agree. Ingrid's occupies that second spot for me i mean yeah this is in i mean and once again by slim margin to my number one um we talked about those huge finishes the past two years i mean where else right and especially that u.s women's open last summer i mean in some senses it felt like annika was kind of passing that torch just a little bit and i i don't think that's much of an exaggeration i mean ingrid ingrid is incredibly solid and her her ball striking is almost second to very few, and that's going to put her over the top and keep her in the mix all week. Thinking about kind of Ingrid and like the totality of her amateur career and everything, I mean, she's someone who has really got everything kind of dialed in mental, you know, mechanics, everything. I mean, I think I saw saw somewhere that she had mentioned like her putting was just a, needed a little bit of work, but I mean, once you watch her play, I, I almost don't <laughs> think so, right? But uh, no, she's had she's had an outstanding career, amateur career, and um, I saw that she had mentioned that she was going to be entering Q School this fall, and so I just just thinking about you know this class of like players that'll probably enter, and Ingrid being one of them, I'm like, wow, like this is there's not many careers that we're going to see that look like Ingrid Lindblad's. No, I completely agree with that, Biggie. Let me ask you this: Would you uh, buy more Ingrid stock or Ludwig stock? Mm, that is such a good question. Uh, my first impulse would be, well, I want to buy both. Um, oh my God. Uh, I might lean a little more towards Ludwig, I think, but there's not much to back that up. I, I don't have very good reasons for you. There's something we learned about this last summer, but what the, the Swedish national team has going on, how they're, they're raising these junior players, how they're making it, you know, giving them great opportunities to travel at all these worldwide events, how they 
once they they commit to college, they come over and they have the Swedish team houses still, and they have they have uh, turkey. What what do they call it? Turkey camp in Arizona, and they have Christmas camp down in Florida, and they they just make it so their their roots are still there, their culture is still there. They're not getting homesick, and they're just creating these absolute dynamite amateur golfers. It's so so cool to see. I know. I think I am. I, I think I'm biased by the day we got to spend with Ludwig in Sweden, yep. and I just came away so truly impressed with his demeanor and outlook and attitude. And that's no reflection on Ingrid. I just have never gotten a chance to to talk to her or spend much time with her. But from watching her, I mean, she seems just as kind of unflappable and steady. And um, but yeah, I guess I lean Ludwig for that reason. All right, Cody. I think we alluded to it. Your your number your number two pick. Number two, you guys have already discussed uh, her. Uh, Biggie didn't even want to put her on her board. I don't understand why you can't mess with uh, somebody who's won at an event. You know, won an event before. You can't mess with current form. She clearly is is playing great as the, the junior tournament stage value uh, that she just won last week. That is defending champion Anna Davis. You guys all worried about nerves, everything else like that. She's a killer, man. She's SoCal's finest. She doesn't care. What do you, what, what do you want her to do? Be all nervous and stuff out there? She's just going to go stripe seven irons all day long, <laughs> walk around in her bucket hat, acting like she don't care. And, and just like, honestly, if she blows up, it also wouldn't surprise me, but I have to put her somewhere. The more, the more that I think about it, it could go the other way. But I, I'm saying she's playing very good. Yeah, she is. She is for sure. Number ones. Should we all say it at the same time? Number one. Unanimous. Three, two, one. Rose. Oh, I mean, come on. What else? What else do we have to do here? Right? I mean, it. it well, this sucks to say, and I think I kind of mentioned it earlier, but would it kind of be a disappointment? Yeah. I mean, in a, in a very unfair, but like, real sense yeah for sure it'd be a disappointment and i think she'd be the first to tell you it'd be a disappointment god she's so good and she's so what what makes her really scary is the mental side of it is maybe more advanced than the physical side of it right now and it's not like you know biggie and i you're about to hear an interview that we did it's not like uh playing it up just because that's just how she is she's just answer any question that you got and be like yeah that you know, that kind of was a hard situation, but it's okay. Like I, I spent a ton of time practicing and like working through this stuff and like, it's no big deal. She has the, the greatest perspective of anyone that I know. I know. I know. Coach Walker joked with us last year, you know, they call her the grandma, the, the team grandma. And she, it's, it's just so true. Her, her wisdom, her, her calmness, her ability to see the bigger picture is so, so impressive. Jordan, I guess the only question, you know, going down Cody's hypothetical, if she doesn't win, will just be if we see her again in Anwa. You know, I think that's what's hanging over her is when is she going to turn professional? So maybe this is her last chance. Maybe it's not. I don't think I certainly don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe she knows already, but seems like uh, maybe she'll have more cracks, but this could be it as well. It could. And I mean, it, it is so up in the air for her. I mean, she could have done it at after her freshman year, but now with her sophomore year and racking up all these wins, I mean, the question almost becomes like, what else can she do in amateur golf? And I think of another example um, in Kristen Gilman, 
interestingly, who had had that same similar top-notch career. The two U.S. women's amateurs uh, had that JLPGA win, the extremely big tear on the Curtis Cup. I mean, she kind of approached this point after two years and was like, what what else? What else do I got? Like, this is, this is it. Um, and so I think Rose could be facing a similar question for herself. I mean, selfishly, no, don't turn professional. Rose. <laughs> like, stay in the game so I can talk about you more. But, um, no, I, I mean, wow, what a ride it's been if it does come to that. And, I mean, if not, I mean, I don't know. We really we, – I think we really do have the goat on our hands. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, yeah, Cody, you said it. Let's let's get out of the way and hear from Rose. Cody and I get to talk to her for about 25 minutes. Uh, she is just awesome. You're going to love it. Jordan, thank you so much. Uh, once again, you can read all of her work this week at AmateurGolf.com. You can find her on Twitter at J-R-D-N-P-R-Z. Jordan, I just love your enthusiasm for amateur golf, for women's amateur golf, for this event. And it was such a pleasure to uh, to get to speak to you. It is so unreal being on this podcast. Like, wow, like bucket listing here. But no, thank you so much for having me. I am just glad to even have the opportunity to talk this much about amateur golf, women's amateur golf especially. So thank you. Well, we'll have to have you on. Awesome. Yeah, thank you, thank you. That's that's very nice of you to say. We'll we'll have to have you back on. You're invited anytime. And uh, without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with world amateur number one and consensus favorite, folks. You heard it here, consensus favorite, Rose Zhang. All right, and now as mentioned, joining us live from Augusta, Georgia, Rose Zhang. Rose, it is such a pleasure to get to speak to you again. I think I got to start here. Last time I saw you in person um, was back on the Stanford campus. We, we got to do the, the documentary, The Week in the Life of the Stanford women's golf team. But you were riding around a busted bike. I got to know what's going on with the bike. <laughs> Have we fixed it? Have we gotten a new bike? What's going on there? Yes, we've gotten a new bike at Stanford now. Um, and I've actually brought my car up, so it's a little Ooh. bit better. So I can actually drive to different places when needed. Um, but the bike is still very much, at least I'm able to bike a lot faster. And I'm not pedaling uh, like a mad woman, so it's a lot better. <laughs> are you like the, the cool kid on campus now because you have a car? Everybody trying to bum rides from you, or are you guys still just carpooling it around yeah we're carpooling still um i feel like on campus uh when you're a sophomore and junior uh you can have cars now so um when you're allowed to have a car uh it's a lot more convenient and everyone else i mean we do like hitch um each other up here and there but other than that uh it's very very convenient well, you, you mentioned before we got started that you are on break. You just wrapped up a very busy part of your academic calendar at Stanford. I got to ask, what's your favorite course you've taken this year? How sophomore year treating you? Mm. Wow, that's a very hard question. Uh, sophomore year is treating me so well. Um, I feel like I, I've been very busy uh, on a daily basis. Um, I actually took the most units I've ever taken um, in a quarter this past winter. Um, and that was 21 units. So I really screwed myself Dang, over there. That's <laughs> a yeah. heavy workload. 
Yeah. <laughs> but other than that, um, everything's going swiftly. Our team bonding is just amazing. Um, we've got two freshmen on the team now, and they're life of the party. It makes everything super exciting. So the team dynamic is a little bit different, but nonetheless, we are all still super, super close, uh, which is really comforting. Um, and you know, the golf part speaks for itself. We've all been grinding uh, and Siebel's been treating us well. The weather hasn't been great recently. Uh, we've been receiving hail, big storms, big winds. Um, so we're trying to get practice in here and there. Uh, but all in all, everything's pretty good. Well, good. <laughs> good. I'm, I'm glad to hear. Oh, God, I just can't imagine. 21 credits, Rose. I think that's more than I ever dreamed of taking in a, uh, in a semester. And I was, it's not. I was not balancing, you know, world-class golf on top of that. So kudos to you. That's, that's wonderful. Well, let's turn to Anwa. That, that's why we wanted to talk to you. Uh, this is going to be your fourth start at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. I, I guess let's start here. What's the mindset for you this week? What's, what's the prep going to be like between now? We're recording on Sunday between now and uh, the first round on Wednesday. I think I'm just going to try to keep everything within my stride. I think that there's a lot of things happening at Anwa, media, um, playing the golf course, practice rounds, preparation, um, and all the events that are also involved with the event. Um, it can certainly get to you when there's a lot of things coming at you. Uh, so for me, I think I'm just going to take each day at a time, make sure that I'm well um rested, well prepped. Um, in terms of golf, I'm still going to go back to my fundamentals, um, try to get my wedge game in, my short game putting. Um, and those are essential, especially at Champions Retreat and uh, potentially Augusta National on the third day. Uh, so it's everything just needs to go pretty smoothly. Um, and I think that the time management in terms of that is pretty crucial. So I'm just really going along for the ride. Um, and it's my fourth time. So it's all the more to enjoy it. What's the, what's the biggest thing you've learned? You're one of the most experienced players in the field. You, you just mentioned this will be your fourth start. Is there one thing above all that, that you've really taken from those previous three years and can apply this year? Yeah, I think Anwa is a super unique event, right? You're at, it's right before Masters Week, potentially one of the biggest events of Amber Golf. Um, and it's such high exposure for women's golf. So there's a lot of meaning behind this event. Um, and the first two years, it was kind of, I was kind of in the ballpark of what's going on. Like, I'm just trying to get through it, experience everything as soon as, like, as much as possible. Uh, and, you know, last year and this year, I've really kind of understood that, hey, like, this is how I should navigate myself around the golf course. This is how I should navigate myself when we're um, going to different events. Uh, we're going to, like, Batman's Place and... Um, all these nightly events. Um, so I think um, the experience of being at such a prestigious um, event, it also calls for a lot more um, exposure um, to the outside world. Um, and I think balancing that will be very important um, for not only me, but everyone else in the field. Where would 
an Anwa victory. I mean, Rose, we just got to say you've you've you have such a magnificent amateur career. You know, from the U.S. Girls Junior to the U.S. Women's Am to the NCAA Championship. Where would an Anwa rank among there? And is that something you catch yourself thinking about? Or uh, and I know you probably try to avoid those thoughts week of. Yes, it's definitely. I mean, I would say everyone will be lying if they were to come into this event and not want to win um, because that's what we do. We, we're top amateurs in the world trying to compete for a prestigious title like Augusta National. Um, but I think that for me, I, I don't really think about it as much. Um, I don't think about it at all, actually. The past week, I haven't been thinking about it. I've just been thinking about, oh, okay, so I'm coming to Augusta National now. It's going to be my fourth time. Better live it up. Something along those lines. Um, so I haven't necessarily been thinking about it, but uh, when it comes to tournament mode, uh, it's more of using it as a motivation to uh, try to play the best that I can and um, play um, the most in the most smart way um, when navigating around these golf courses um, and I think that I think last year was kind of an eye-opening experience for me because since it was my third time and I knew how to get around um, the different events that we're um, participating in and playing the actual golf course um, I've really wanted that title. Like I've really emphasized on it. Um, and sometimes, you know, you just can't really push it. You can't really push that goal. You have to just stay in the moment. And um, my game wasn't in the best shape last year. My body wasn't in the best shape. So um, I, I really put a lot of pressure on myself. But now it's just, you know, whatever happens, happens. And it's really an experience that you can't really forget. Um, so I'm just trying to keep all that in, uh, into perspective. It sounds like you're more freed up this year, Rose. Body must be feeling better. Your game's obviously in <laughs> phenomenal shape. You're having a heck of a, a season already. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like freed up, freed up, um, because, you know, it's still, still a golf tournament. You're still at the of biggest course. stage. And you can't let yourself um, too loose. But I've definitely kept a lot of things into perspective now um about you know just taking care of like myself and um being in the longevity of this game I think that it's for me I was very much living in the moment but at the same time I was putting so much emphasis into every single moment that I've been living in so I think um that gets to you um uh, quite a bit and I've realized that hey like there's there's got to be a way to um, try to live on a daily basis without having to just like be so hardcore. Yeah, um, separating like your actual life from the results that you have on the golf course. Exactly. So um, with that in mind, Anwa is um, a spectacular like experience in a lifetime. So it's more of thinking along those lines and doing the best preparation work that I can. Uh, and then when we're all on the golf course, we just have to figure out how to execute. <laughs> it is a, a beast of a golf course. I mean, is there something, are, are you keeping yardage books from the last 
three years? Do you have the same caddy? Like, how do you kind of go about preparing for this week? Yeah, I definitely um, have the yardage books in mind. I took a lot of, I mean, I've took taken three years of notes. Um, so when I come out here, actually, I'm going to do the same thing, um, take new notes, um, because I believe that, you know, it's important to keep a fresh perspective of um, how the course is changing, what the conditions are on a yearly basis. Um, so just building on what I know from the previous years is going to be pretty essential. essential. And my dad is going to be catting for me um, the first two days. Uh, and then potentially um, the third day, uh, we will be looking for an Augusta caddy. Great. I saw you. I know your dad was on the bag last year at the uh, U.S. <laughs> Open at, at Pine Needles. I followed you for like the first three rounds. Um, one, one question that I have, why does your dad rock the double gloves while caddying? Ooh, so he has, um, like this little like condition on his like skin that like, um, where it's like melanin isn't really producing too well. Um, so he's like, especially like when you're in very hot, like conditions, you don't really want, yeah, you don't want. Um, too much sun exposure because um, the skin won't really um, the skin will absorb the UV rays um, a lot easier so God, that it's makes, more of more makes of complete that sense. area I thought that he was just ready to go I was like yeah I mean I'm, I'm so pumped like look at Rose's dad it's hard not to get pumped up about this he's ready to go wants to hit some oh yeah balls. he's definitely he's definitely the let's go let's go kind of yeah. personality um, <laughs> Yeah, he's quite the opposite of me. <laughs> Rose, something new this year, uh, a great change. Uh, viewers, we're going to get to watch coverage of the first two rounds from Champions Retreat. And as somebody, myself, has never played the course, I'm sure most of our listeners don't really know the course, what are the, op- I guess, what is Champions Retreat like as a golf course? What are the opportunities that you see and, and what are some of the biggest challenges for you at, at that course? It's funny because every single year um, when, you know, my friends and I are done with playing, a lot of the competitors um, have been talking about how Champions Retreat is arguably harder than Augusta National. And um, the reason being is because, you know, the grass isn't as great as Augusta National. (laughs) Um, No knock on them. I'm not sure any course is going to live up to Augusta. I mean, nothing is going to live up to Augusta National, but you do have some imperfect lies. Um, Weather conditions are very brutal. Um, Just like Augusta National, we have swirling winds at Champions Retreat. And there's certain areas on the golf course that we really need to be careful of. Um, And when the greens are firm, too, they... You land it and it's like rock solid, um, shoots out, rolls out. Um, that makes the golf course playing really hard. Um, so with all these factors, and it's also a hard track to walk, just like Augusta, if not even more, um, more so because we're playing more rounds um, at Champions. Um, so all these factors really come into play. Um, and that kind of that's why I guess there's so much pressure on the first two days because 
everyone wants to make the cut too <laughs> to make it yeah. to the third day. Um, so there's a huge emphasis on that. And um, whoever is able to play well at Champions Retreat has a really good chance to um, kind of get close to the lead or if not win. Could be the most sought after cut in uh, in all of golf, I would say. Yes. <laughs> um, I've experienced some of that. Um, I like when I would be done playing the first year and the second year, um, I was lucky enough to be able to finish all my rounds. Um, and the the cut is very cutthroat kind of atmosphere. You really feel the tension. Um, the first year was actually insane because it was either everyone who was making the cut was smiling and super happy and super stoked. And then the other like majority of the field, I don't think a single person wasn't crying. And it was, it was just an insane experience because it just mattered so much to us um, as players. God, I, <laughs> I'm just picturing that scene. That is if you just yeah, imagine yeah, that. Yeah, that is tough because it makes you, you know, you, you kind of feel bad. You, you want it, You're obviously happy. You want to celebrate, you know, making the cut and, and doing well. But, yeah, you look around and, and see all those tears and disappointment. That That's difficult. Um, well, we've, we've alluded you're having a fantastic sophomore season. I believe you've won five of six tournaments for the Stanford Cardinal. You've tied the program record, Andrea Lee's program record with with nine individual tournament titles. I'm curious, Rose, are, are we working on anything new with the game this year, or is it just sticking to your routines, sticking in the process, and and you know continuing same old, same old? Yes, I think that there's always room for improvement. Um, I don't wish to remain stagnant in my golf game. I think that there's a lot to work on. Um, and I think that's the difficult part going forward because you don't want to mess up yourself um, in terms of everything that you've been doing right and everything you've been doing well. But at the same time, I don't think it's enough to um, just like stop where I am. Um, and I think it's... I always need to find some sort of growth in my game, um, whether it's the mental or even the physical part of the game. Um, so I'm constantly trying to work on um, more emphasis on short game and putting, um, even swing, um, trying to figure out what's the best tempo for me um, and really understanding my game on another level. Um, is kind of what I'm working on right now. Um, and I would also say for just strategy and overall course management, uh, it's something that you can always work on um, because every round, even if you do play well, um, there's always going to be that one or two shots that really just make you think, what are you doing here? <laughs> so... With that in mind, it's it's more little details, um, but I think those details really play a big factor into your actual game. And to be fair, I generally think I'm not satisfied with my game right now, even despite playing well and um, being able to 
um, win um, this season, I think it's still very important for me to keep things into perspective and realize that I still have a long way to go. <laughs> yeah, and you have a busy schedule coming up too from Anwa pretty much straight like into Pac-12s. Yes, it'll be super, super busy. Um, I'll try to figure that out. I'm planning on taking CS106A next quarter, <laughs> which is not really, I don't know if it's a smart decision, but um, it's kind of an essential like intro CS class into Stanford. So I'm going to try to navigate that, balance is, that out. Is that computer <laughs> science, CS? It is. Oh, Lord. We're, <laughs> Yes, and the thing is, I have a lot of friends around me who may be able to give me some kind of support in terms of that, since they're all CS majors, but I don't know how far I can get, because I have no no sort of experience in terms of programming, so we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious, I, your, your impetus to be in the moment, to try to separate yourself from results, to, to kind of try to shift your your mindset a little bit that that you mentioned previously where where did that stem from was that through conversations with some people or is that just sort of something innate that you felt like you needed to do i think it was something innate um always actually i believe that's partially why um i emphasize so much on coming to college um i think that it was very important for me to find my own growth um and own independence um, so coming into college, that was kind of my primary goal. Um, it wasn't necessarily the golf. Of course, that plays a huge factor. But the personal development was more so my, I guess, ultimate goal. And with that in mind, you know, you meet amazing people at Stanford on campus, even in the golf world. Um, as you kind of go through with playing tournaments and um, going to classes. So I just take all these experiences and try to gain more insight into who I actually am. Um, and it's always going to be a continuous development. Um, like it, I believe that a person can grow lifelong um, in a lifetime span. So uh, it's kind of more along those lines that really gave me inspiration into separating myself, I guess, from the golf part of me. That's that's incredible. I I, I and I don't say that lightly. I think for for you to <laughs> to have that knowledge and perspective is just so impressive. Certainly at at any age, but at your age, uh, I. Guy, I just commend you. Yeah, it's inspiring. It makes me want to, you know, it makes me want to kind of dig deeper and, and be better in, in my habits and my outlook and my mindset and all that. It, that's really cool. Big just wants to go back to I want to come back that's to Stanford. I know. I'll take CS with you. 106. Please. Yeah. I, I don't know the first thing about programming, but I'd, I'd love to do that. I don't either. We can, we can die together. <laughs> <laughs> So, Rose, we're running up on time, but a total of four invites went out to the women's team. Obviously, we, I mean, people want to know, is Rachel okay? What's kind of the timeline? What, what's going on? Because we hope, I mean, is she done for the season or what's, mm -hmm. what's up? I know everyone's super curious about Rachel and her recovery. Um, I think that right now she's doing the best she can to get through everything. And 
Um, I just hope she knows that we all have so many people trying to support her. I've actually um, gone, uh, I've personally um, been in contact with her and constantly trying to see how she's doing. Um, we've even started going on little prayer walks and stuff like that. So it's Good. really nice to just um, get to get her to feel a little better throughout um, this little hiccup in her career and her life. Um, and I think she has a great perspective on things. Um, and no one says it's going to be easy, but I think that she's, if anyone can get through it, it will definitely be her. It's a long, um, long road of life ahead of you guys. Huge, huge road. Yep. And I think that um, she's been keeping a lot of things um, into a really good perspective. So she will be able to, um, you know, get back on her feet sooner or later. But I don't know her timeline. Um, I think that she needs to take as much time as she needs to really fully recover and not um, try to rush um, this process. Uh, so I don't know the timeline, but I'm sure she'll be back um, sooner rather than later. Well, fantastic. We'll let you go with that. Rose, it is such a pleasure to get to talk Thank to you. Man. Thanks for making time. I know this is a, a hectic few days for you. We can't wait to watch you this week. Best of luck, not only at ANWA, but the rest of the season with the Cardinal. We're, we're big Stanford Cardinal fans over here. So, uh, yeah, good luck the rest of the Thank way. You. Big no laying up fans here. Love it. Awesome. <laughs> we might have to get her some new socks. Please. There we go. We'll make sure to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> Maybe a hoodie. I think there we, we can go. spare that as well. All right, Rose. Uh, thank you. Have a good one. Have a good one. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Honey, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect anything.